the Fake Spike Podcast, episode oh boy, 62? 61, I believe. 62, no, you're right, 62. you're right. Episode 62, and they, uh, and you know, I, I never, rem- I don't remember all the time, but the sounds of Zebrahead fading away. Thank you again, guys, for let us, letting us use your music. I always use the same song. I'm going to probably mix it up, but this is not a Zebrahead podcast, so I'll shut up. What's going on, Vort? We, uh, good to have you here, man. I wasn't sure you'd make it. Oh, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. Quite a little bug this week. Not COVID, just a regular cold. Had me down and out. But I'm glad you gave me that extra 24 hours before doing this on your own. I am happy to be on and talking Jets football with you as always. Me too. And, uh, you know, for, for those listening, I was actually going to do it myself if, if uh, Vort couldn't go. But try to give him as much time as possible. And thankfully, here he is. So, yeah, the, the Jets are, are completely decimated this week. Uh, where should we start? <laughs> Wow. I mean, I literally don't even know what <clears throat> the offense is going to struggle to get into field goal range this <coughs> this week. We got what? The, who's everybody? Crowder and, uh, Crowder and Mims by default, I guess, are going to be the two starting Crowder, Mims, and uh, I guess Berrios, right? Oh, Keelan Cole, I guess it's there. Oh, right? Berrios. I forgot about him. Yeah, I was Berrios. very high on him at the beginning of the season, so I'm actually glad he's going to get a chance. I still believe there's a future for him in the Jets offense as a slot receiver, but I guess we'll find out. He should get some serious run. For those of you who had their heads stuck in the sand, uh, obviously Corey Davis is done for the season uh, with his injury. And earlier today was announced that the guy who's been running high, flying high, everything we wanted has been coming to fruition, Elijah Moore. He's been put on IR with some kind of, I believe, an oblique injury. So he's out for God knows how long. Yeah, I think it was quad. I saw quad. I'm not even sure, but You're it doesn't right. even really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, they, they, this is so typical Jets. I mean, they, they get you excited about something and the rug comes out. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something small. It could be something as small as scoring a touchdown and missing the extra point or your, you know, your star left guard getting out for the season. I mean, Elijah Moore has been a, a huge bright spot over the past few weeks. He really started to develop into a, a big-time playmaker. And now he's not just out for the game. He's out for the, you know, I mean, he's, he's on IR. I guess he can come back for the last game, but he's out. You know? I think he's not for the season. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be there. What We're I not going find... to bring him back for one game. So. Yeah. Yeah. What I find is... really frustrating, with, uh, again, this is, this is why this is called, the, that's why we're the darksiders. We understand the pain. Um, the thing that frustrates me the most is I wasn't upset. I wasn't as upset when Corey Davis went out because you and me kind of really me you more so than me and i followed suit corey davis has not lived up to expectations he was a free agent signing fine injured it's tough it's a tough pill to swallow let's move on this one really hits me in the gut because this is a young guy a rookie just like our star hopefully future star quarterback so it was vital for them to keep playing together i was actually excited mildly when corey davis was going to miss a significant time because it was going to allow more and zach to in my eyes have a chance to develop more of a chemistry because Moore was already establishing himself as a go-to guy in this offense, and now he was going to get a chance to do so even more. And now to have him, it just, I feel like I'm in a boxing ring and I'm losing the fight so badly, I don't even know which side the punch is coming from. All I know is I'm just getting slapped and hit and punched in the head, and I don't know where to go. Zach, I just, yeah. Zach Wilson has no weapons. Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson lose valuable reps to develop timing and chemistry. It just right. fucked us on so many levels. 
Yeah, they do lose that time. Uh, I think it's probably not that I would want to root one, one for one of them, but it's probably better that the, the wide receiver missed time than it is the quarterback if you're going to try and develop that rhythm because, you know, not having the quarterback not, not getting reps with guys is a problem. If the quarterback's getting reps, he can get a guy back in there relatively quick. And, the, you know, the other thing is that the Jets' season is pretty much already over. It, it's, it's exciting you know, like to, to watch these guys. But at the same time, you're not like looking forward to anything real. So so the, the, the injury thing hits a little less. And, and this is not to say by any means I'm not upset that, that Elijah Moore is out. But if the Jets were 8-4, if the Jets were 8-4 and four and vying for a playoff spot and this happened, I'd be like fucking, I'd be devastated, you know. But I, I think, you know, whatever. I don't even know why the hell I'm even mentioning that at all. It doesn't make any sense to mention that. It's, it's a it's a big blow to the Jets. It, it kind of hurts a lot of things, but you know, it's it's almost like a you know you're used to it and, and you you just expect something anything to happen at this point with the Jets. And here's the last thing that absolutely gives me nightmares about this situation: Zach Wilson wasn't exactly lighting up the offense, and uh, he wasn't lighting up the world on fire before losing all of his receiving corps. The guy was struggling. It's uh, If you're a real fan, you have to be man or woman enough to admit it. The guy was struggling. And that was when the Jets' offense was in, in full force. Now he has no weapons. We have no running game. We have no wide receivers that we can really count on. It, it, it's just I, I worry about Zach Wilson having yeah. two or three terrible games. His confidence going really in the shitter. That's what really scares me. Yeah, the offense is now pretty much, you know, the same as the. Well, not it's not as bad as the defense, but it's pretty much the same now. There's there's not a viable first line guy on the entire Jets offense right now, and that includes the quarterback. So uh, in skill positions, anyway, I'm not talking about you know linemen and stuff like that. But you, you're on your you know your, your first two receivers are out, your first two running backs are out, your first tight end, which is not even that much of a thing in the Jets offense anyway. That tight end is out. So I mean, and then Zach Wilson is is a wild card at best for him, from him. You're hoping for, you know, like like adequate, you know. So so you literally have like the defense has got all rookies and spare parts. That's what the Jets' offense is going to be like tomorrow. It's it's scary, you know. And the thing is, they'll probably hang in there. That's the Jets for you. You know, you expect them to lose by forty because of the circumstances, and they'll hang in. I will say this: um, the one thing that they always teach you in sports is an injury is an opportunity. And if anybody needed an opportunity like this, it's Denzel Mims. He needs, to yeah. he needs to show that his head is still in it and he can make the most of probably his last chance, his only chance, but his last chance under this coach. And, uh, under this coach, he has to show them that he didn't mentally check out, that he has used the time on a sideline to better himself. And now the only thing that speaks for itself is when you're in the game and you make plays when you get a chance. This can be kind of a... Not a diamond in the rough, but this can be a blessing in disguise that if the Jets can suddenly use these last four or five games to revive Danzel Mims, and now next season we're talking about Mims and Elijah Moore's crop of young receivers, that certainly has some of the positivity to it, especially considering the fact exactly what you mentioned. We're not losing a potential playoff spot here. We're just looking for any guys right now who can step up and show us they can be part of the future. And I certainly hope Mims is one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he's really the only one you would love to see that from. I mean, you'd love to see it as a fan, but like for, for a guy's development, I would like to Mims to even just jump into the we use him category because, I mean, they don't use the guy at all. He gets targets late in the game sometimes. And, oh, my computer just went off. What the hell is that? Are you still there? Yep, still here. You're oh, loud okay. and clear. Yeah, okay. Um, 
and I lost my train of thought. Oh, and, and they barely even used Denzel Mims. He, he's in there at the end of games. Or last week when Davis went out, he came in and he gets a couple of targets a game. They, they, if for them to actually like give him reps where he's, he's a part of the offense would be a huge step. I'm not even talking. I'm not even having dreams about what, what it'll be like next year and if he'll be on the team. But this guy came in with all these skills, and it turns out that he played in a very watered-down offense, and some people blame Adam Gase for wanting him for his offense, and he's not a fit for the current one, which you know that, that's actually not a bad point. And that, that could explain a few reasons why some of these guys that Douglas drafted are not working out well. So whatever the case may be, Mims is really the only guy on that offense I really want to see get involved and hope that this provides an opportunity. I mean, Keelan Cole's a nice spare part. Berrios, you know, I think we know what Berrios is. I know you love the guy, but he's he's going to be a, a fifth receiver. He's going to be like a change of pace kind of guy. And uh, who else? I mean, and who again, else I... But, but it's exactly what you said. Uh, okay. I, I love him as a fourth receiver or potentially even injury as a third receiver who could play in a slot. But you already have Crowder. Uh, Elijah Moore plays in a slot. So, yeah, he's kind of – he's the odd man out. But uh, because of his special team skills and the ability to play receiver, he can be a valuable asset. Uh, obviously not a main go-to guy, but a couple touches and an emergency fill-in. Yeah, but I feel like I already I already know what I'm getting from from uh, Barrios, no matter what. I mean, I'd like to I want to see some of these other guys be able to step up and you know next man up kind of thing, which we never see with the Jets. Dude, are you doing laundry? What's well, going I do on have there? laundry spinning not too far from me. You know, I always God. sit in this room, but we're gonna pause and I'm gonna relocate to the basement. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back. <laughs> it's not a professional studio, some technical difficulties, but we're back online. Yeah, and uh, we ain't getting paid for this, and uh, we ain't even advertising, so we'll do what we want to do, right, Bort? Okay, so as I was saying with Berrios, I feel like I know what Berrios is. I don't feel like he's gonna, he's ever gonna get great. He's, you know, he's got much more of a chance of falling off a cliff and becoming like and getting cut than he does turning into a star. I feel like I know what I'm getting out of him. I want to see what the Jets can do with some of the guys I don't know about, you know. And maybe that even includes Keelan Cole. I mean, he never, he's been around for a few years, but he never did anything big or got it multiple chances with the Jags, and that maybe because he's just not more than a spare part. But it could, maybe he's got something. The guy makes some crazy catches when when this ball's over his head so you never know but, it's um, a it's a more than fair assessment look at this point let's get a look at guys and uh see if anybody can be that diamond in the rough i, I have no argument there but uh that being said you want to talk about our game this week and what's in store for us uh, <laughs> as new orleans comes to town yeah i i did there's also a thing i want to do i um there was an article in one of these um groups from uh, jets wire and they gave seven things the Jets should, the Jets probably regret. I mean, a couple of them are legit. A couple of them are like, dude, what are you talking about? And then others are kind of based on things, whatever. I want to go through those at some point. It should, it should, it should be quick, but we can do the game first if you want and uh, go through predictions. Yeah. Actually, let's, uh, let's finish up with what you had in mind and then we'll just kind of go right into our game That's fine. predictions. Okay. And- all right, let's so go do it. Ahead, okay, talk. so this is seven things the Jets probably regret because a lot's gone wrong. The defense is bad. There's a lot of injuries, blah, blah, blah. And then they start with seven. They, they mention seven things, and the first one is not investing more in defense. Now, that is true, 
but there is only so much you can invest. And the Jets, you know, one of the things we've been talking, not you and me, but me, me with other people have been talking about is that the Jets spent like 10 straight years drafting defensive linemen and, and corners and mostly defensive linemen. And people screamed for an offense. You got to invest in offense. There's no offensive linemen drafted early, no skill position players except quarterbacks. And so, so the Jets in the last couple of years have concentrated a little bit more on offense and and if you're going to concentrate on offense in an offensive league, you can't be upset when you don't have defense. Now, yes, the defense shouldn't be this bad, but they the Jets did a total teardown, and you can't fix everything in one season. I think the Jets' approach was to solidify the offense a bit and then take a bunch of you know rolls of the dice on on the on the uh, secondary late in the draft, and obviously that didn't work out between injuries and just not being that great. So I, I don't think this is necessarily a fair thing the Jets regret because in order for the Jets to regret it, they have to be in a position where the offense never worked out and they're back at square one. So what are your thoughts on whether the Jets regret not investing more in defense? Uh, to me, I can't really blame them. It's one of those things, but potato, potato. It's uh, If it would have invested in defense and the offense would have been as bad as it has been, unfortunately, this conversation would have been, oh, look, the defense is making all the stops and we're still losing games 13-10 because we don't have enough firepower to score a couple of goddamn touchdowns when we need them. So I don't put as much uh, into it. It goes back to what you said. A rebuild like the Jets are doing, unfortunately, doesn't happen overnight. You have to kind of pick your poison. Listen, we're going to focus on these positions, this draft. We know this is two, potentially three-year project, hopefully two. By the end of the second year, we're now looking for plugging in a few parts to really make us a contender. But after two draft cycles, you should be able to make yourself semi-competitive. So let's see what they do this year. Uh, We clearly know that between the injuries and the lack of talent, um, let's look to improve the, the defense this year. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't. You just you can't bring in fifty four players uh, over one yeah, summer. Impossible. So I, I can't you really. Can't, yeah, you, you can only make big investments in in one side. If you're, to, I mean, you, you can. I guess you could do both if you drafted one two one two. You know, defense offense defense offense. But if once you invest your first four picks in offense, you don't have a lot of a lot to do with the defense at that point. You're gonna have to go with what you have and hope things work out. Unfortunately, and, a lot of the guys didn't. So. And I believe the honest reality is we are and we certainly were an absolutely terrible team. So it's just a matter of, um, again, can't do it in one draft, can't do it in one uh, one off season. So uh, have to respectfully, I, I see the point, especially with the way the defense is playing, but I respectfully disagree. Can't fix it all in one shot. Right. Well, see, I'm the same way. I, I respectfully disagree with it, but it, it, I, I don't feel it's a valid thing to put what the Jets don't regret. Now, if you want to talk about that, the fact that they didn't do it, that's one thing. But they can't possibly regret not not investing in the defense. I don't think that's something you can get on them for. That's just my thing. Okay, second one, definitely with you. I know you're going to love this one. Not acquiring a good tight end. Go. <laughs> oh, this this is one of those things that. Before I go to sleep, I pray to the Jets God, please, uh, you know, let us get a tight end. And I've been saying that prayer since I believe 96, maybe 97. <laughs> so, yes, I agree. It's uh, in a league where star tight ends are now clearly showing how valuable they are. It's it's, it's just a new breed. Uh, they, they do everything. They catch. They block. It's more of oversized receivers with ridiculous speed. And the Jets need to get on board. I, I don't understand why it's been through at least three maybe four coaching changes we either draft guys who don't pan out we completely don't include them in the offensive game plan yes 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 100 percent agreed it's about goddamn time the jets 
uh, started pretending like offense is a real position in the NFL. I agree with everything you said, and I agree that they need a tight end. However, I am not so certain that their that their plan would have been able to accommodate a tight end last year for the same reasons. They needed the quarterback. They needed the receiver. They went running back. So where were they going to get a tight end unless they took a shot at Kyle Pitts super early or, you know, over, you know, reached, reached for one a bit, a little bit later. So again, it's similar to the first question. I am not entirely sure I can blame the jets for this. If they, you know, if now, if you want to talk about the secondary, you know, we can talk about them turning their backs and saying, screw you, I'm not signing guys or I'm not doing anything. I don't know the tight end. I mean, they, there wasn't that much out there. There were a couple of guys that that are really kind of borderline. They could have gone and overpaid. So I, I, I agree with everything except the fact that it belongs on a list of regrets. That's that's the only, you know, okay. the only thing. Fair point. All right. The next one I'm sure we'll both agree is keeping Greg Van Roten. And uh, he's he's the, the, the right, I think he's the right guard. And he's freaking awful. He's, he's, he's oh, like the Greg Van Rotten, yes. Van Rotten, Rotten, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> the actual Rotten, yeah. Um, yeah, so so that is that is a legitimate one. I I, I can, I, and now does Joe Douglas regret it or is, or again, does he have the prescience to know that he can't fix everything in one shot? And uh, I have to, I have to think he, he looks back and says, you know, there was somebody had to be better than him. You know, even the last of the free agents had to be better than what this guy's doing. If if you take the cameras, the microphones away, and if he is a GM that we certainly hope he is, and uh, the guy's worth a damn, he will look himself in the mirror and say, wow, that was a miss. Absolutely. Okay, my, my take on this next one is going to surprise you, okay? Giving Corey Davis a big contract. Now, you know I hate him, but I don't know if the Jets necessarily regret it. I think you know that, that's 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 the key to this list is do the Jets sit around and say, God damn it, I wish we didn't do that. I don't know that they do. I completely agree with you, and uh, because I've been such a big defender of Corey Davis, would you mind if I jumped on this topic first? No, go right ahead. I, I don't have much more to say. I just, you know, I, I, you know, I don't like him as a signing. I don't think the Jets are sitting around wishing they hadn't done it. That's just me. So go ahead. And that's exactly what I agree with you on a hundred percent. We, as the fans, might look and regret it and be angry. Jets as an organization, which is kind of what we have to look at it. I don't think they have any regrets. They needed the receiver. They believe they identified the guy who fits their need. We're not talking about a six a seven-year contract, even though we could have easily been had because the guy is so young. We could have thrown that, but the, our GM and our, uh, the Jets show smart restraint. Yes, bad teams typically have to overpay to attract a player. Did they overpay by a grotesque amount? No. Did they overpay? Yeah, possibly you can make an argument they did, but that was one of such a big needs for the Jets. I think you, just because it hasn't worked out, you can you can regret it from the aspect of, damn it, I certainly expected more. But as far as the move itself, absolutely no regrets. It was a position of need. It was a young kid. And uh, like you discussed in the last podcast, if he continues to fall flat on his face, which he's uh, obviously done in year one, he's a two-year guy. And goodbye. See you later on to the next one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into Corey Davis a little more in the offseason and what we expect. But I, I'll, my quick answer now is I don't think he will be here after next year either way, because I think even if he turns into what the Jets hoped he would be, which is a solid, you know, a solid go to guy, I don't think that they're going to, you know, not going to pick up another. They, they might, they might, because it's $10 million over the third year. They might. But uh, other than that, I agree with you on all of that. I think, um, you know, I, I as much as I dislike the signing and I really think he was 
anti-clutch this year with those drops and everything, it's still early in the deal. He's still got another year and possibly two to actually turn it into something. So like you said, you know, the Jets are certainly not sitting around wishing they hadn't done it and they, they didn't overpay grotesquely um to use your word they they did they probably they definitely overpaid for their for their production this year but you don't know what happens next year what if the jets get another good receiver in here and Corey davis turns into a freaking monster because he's he's not the main guy you know so who knows not to say i expect that but it could happen so i don't think the jets are sitting around saying hey whatever you know to say shit i wish it worked out is one thing but i don't think they're doing that okay the next one to me a little a little kind of revisionist history combined with um, why, why would you care anyway? Uh, do the Jets regret not re-signing Flacco in the summer? Now, if Flacco was in there and and winning games and he was, you know, he was clearly providing leadership to these guys, then you say, yeah, I wish I re-signed him in the offseason. We could have had all of that the whole year instead of just the last few weeks. But I don't know that. I don't know. The Jets obviously didn't want him or he didn't want the Jets. They They traded a sixth round pick, which is basically, you know, pocket change. And he's not he's not really now, again, unless I am not seeing the effect he's having on the team, uh, I, I don't know that the Jets necessarily regret not signing him in the summer. I think if, if, if it turned out that it was a panic move when they made the trade for him, then they probably regret that more than not signing him. My vote is absolutely zero regrets uh, and uh, even less if you could. The guy clearly <laughs> said he was not ready for a mentorship role. The guy expressed he wanted to play. Uh, or at least have an honest opportunity to play. Uh, we didn't hear any reports that uh, he showed himself to be such an amazing teammate, a locker room presence that was going to be really appreciated and missed. None of that. He he was a he was a bargain basement pickup. Uh, he got a couple of reps due to injury last year. Uh, this year we were committed to a young guy. Uh, he did not want to play the role of a mentor. Goodbye. Absolutely zero regrets. And uh, frankly, there is. A couple of those veterans that are always available. Flacco is nothing special. He's not going to be nothing special. He's not the difference between Zach Wilson maturing and developing. He's not the difference between the Jets being in a playoff hunt or not. Zero regrets on my end, I believe. Right. I, now, here, here is the little bit of a twist to the question. Do you think, the, and this is one of the things I think the Jets might regret. Do you think the Jets regret not signing a veteran in general, not just Flacco? I don't want to specifically make it Flacco because I don't think they say, gosh, I wish we had signed Flacco. Do you think the Jets wish they had signed the veteran quarterback in retrospect? Not only do I wish for it, if you remember uh, our summer podcast, that was one of the things that left me very very nervous about having a rookie quarterback who was unquestionably going to be pretty much the starter. It was not a, a competition type of thing. And I said, boy, oh boy, we need a veteran presence, just like when Darnold came in. And why is the guy's name? Josh McCown. Josh McCown. Yep. The greatest backup quarterback when you don't need a competition, when you need a mentor, when you need a guy who understands the game better than he plays it. And that's Josh McCown. He saw the game. He understood the game. He cherished the role of being a mentor. He was an offensive coordinator light. That absolutely was needed. And I think it showed it, uh, its ugly head very early on when Zach was struggling. Coaches are one thing. But when your teammate, the quarterback who's been in the league, can put his arm around your shoulder and calm you down and uh, look at the iPad with you on the sideline, I think that's been a big miss on the Jets' part. I, I I agree. I think they regret that too. I think uh, I think they might have thought that Zach Wilson was more ready than he actually is, 
um, at least to make an impact, not necessarily blossom, but at least to make an impact. And it, it was clear. And listen, last week is one week. We have no idea if it's if that is the direction he's headed or if it's just another anomaly like Tennessee was at the time. But it is it was very clear at one point that Zach Wilson is was overwhelmed and may still be overwhelmed. So I 100 percent think that that it, had they had it to do over again, they would have brought a vet in here because if you were really that happy with Mike White, he might have been playing the last couple of weeks instead of benching him. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yep. All right. The next one, I think, is, is a controversial one. I think it's more of a 2020 thing than it is, um, you know, a hindsight 2020 thing than it is like actual regret. And also, I can argue whether or not it actually made any difference at any point. And we'll get to that when I say who it is. The Jets regret starting the season with Matt Amendola at kicker. Now, you want to go first or you want me to continue to ramble on? I know how much you love Amendola, so the floor is yours. <laughs> Listen, I thought the guy sucked. and But at no point did you ever hear me say, God damn it, why didn't they start with a different kicker? No. <laughs> they gave it a shot. They, they scraped the bottom of the barrel. They gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Now, that is my philosophy on kickers. Until you need a good one, you know? And, and that kind of ties into why... I said at the beginning of, of this, you know, question that I, I, you know, does it even matter at all? How many games did Amendola cost the Jets? Name one. Can can anybody name one? The Jets won two games by, you know, by a, by a, a field goal. If I'm if I remember correctly, he kicked the field goal in overtime to win it. Right? Um, what was their other win? Um, I know I know the one we saw recently, but uh, oh, uh, Cincinnati. Yes. I, he, didn't, he didn't hurt them in that. He didn't win that game for him. So Matt Amendola as a kicker has not won a game for them, which you would expect from a shit kicker, but he also hasn't lost any games, okay? If you're telling me he misses a field goal or an extra point in the fourth quarter, that's one thing. People go so crazy when guys lose, when guys miss extra points early in games and think it took all the momentum away from the offense. No, the Jets, the Jets are not good enough to have to have that happen because yep. they, they never win games. So that, that's my take on this. It's a bullshit thing you needed to fill a freaking article with. Yep, I have no regrets starting the season with Amendola. He was a young kicker. Where I do think the Jets missed a little bit is they waited a little too long to cut him because you and me, you especially, I put myself in the conversation because I view a lot of the Jets obviously very similar to you. Uh, I think they waited possibly a week, two, three, whatever it was because we started to, as fans, we could clearly see the guy was just... He was good for a missed kick from 30 to 40 yards where you have to be borderline automatic unless it's a crazy windy day, whatever that may be. Uh, so no regrets. He was a young kid. He could have. We could have been having the conversation right now that he's 23 of 25 for the year while at the lone bright spots. Hope you don't waste the prime years of a solid kicker's career without <laughs> having an offense. So short answer, no regrets, but wish they moved on a little bit sooner when he showed that he couldn't hack it. Right. And and I, I will I will until the Jets are contenders, I will say you start every year with a kicker that you don't have to pay a lot, build your team up. And then what you do is you is when when you actually need a kicker, you've either you've either um, uh, grown your kicker and groomed him into being a good kicker. And then you have him already. Or then you go and, and pay a little bit of money to get a kicker because you, you need you know, you want to have your kicker win games for you or at least not lose them. And the Jets are nowhere near that point. OK, agreed. Um, okay. Now this one, this is a, you know, this is like a Tom Brady situation. Everybody passed on him a million times. Can you, can you really kill the Jets for this? Do the Jets regret not drafting offensive guard Trey Smith? Now who the fuck is Trey Smith, right? 
The Jets passed on him three times in the sixth round alone, and the Chiefs grabbed them at the 26th, at the 266th pick. Now, he had some major health concerns entering the draft, and he's now the ninth-rated guard in the league. Are you going to tell me that a guy that had major health concerns coming out of the draft and slipped to the end of the sixth round is something the Jets regret not drafting? I mean, really? Is that is that is Absolutely that not. That's winning a scratch-off <laughs> ticket. That's not, that's not your scouting department. You clearly had this guy, not clearly, but a lot of things you can and you can bet a lot of teams took this guy off their draft board completely. When the guy is such an injury risk that he falls that low, that's that's not a regret. That's somebody hit the lottery and the we're still in his rookie year. Let's see if he makes it through the season healthy. Let's see if he is uh, let's see if he's the guy we're talking about next year as somebody who is uh, again one of the top guards in the league. No regrets, can't. Not, uh, we're not paying Douglas to be Nostradamus here. Just uh, right. absolutely impossible to predict. Yeah, it, it might have been nice to pick him up and hit on him. But at the end of the day, you know, realistically, people want to keep bitching, bitching, bitching. The Jets' line has not been awful this year. It was it was pretty pretty sketchy early in the season, and it's been very good lately. The Jets, you know, their left tackle, who, who um, George Fant, who's been playing in place of Becton, is is one of the top ranked guys in the league. You know, this this guy they traded for with the Chiefs when they traded the tight end, no one ever heard of. Um, I forget his name, but he was the guy who who went on doctor duty yep, for COVID. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's done a great job solidifying the right side. So it's not like the Jets have a line that's Swiss cheese and falling apart. And you're wriggling around saying, "God, we could have got that guy if only we fucking rolled the dice." You know what I mean? Come on, they just rolled the dice on a bunch of defense that didn't work out. You can't think they're sitting around freaking crying in their hands over not drafting this guy. You know. With all the problems the Jets have, the offensive line is not one of the glaring holes. It could be better, but it could certainly be a hell of a lot worse. So, no. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and as much as Wilson and some of the quarterbacks have taken some hits lately, the Jets line has not been perfect, but it is far from being the, the absolute mess that it was the last couple of years. So, And uh, that's it. I guess that was the seventh one. Let's see. Him. I'm him, glad you did look. that. That was a fun little segment. That was cool, right? <laughs> All right. I'll try and do more stuff like that. Like I, I haven't I haven't done the Facebook I posted a week lately because it's, uh, you know, it has it, it, it's constant stupidity. It's not even one that stands out. But <laughs> this, I actually right. enjoyed this a lot more than Facebook, like stupid comments. This was like a actual written article, if we can discuss a debate. It was fun. It was fun. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Glad you like it. Okay. Let's go. Uh, game this weekend, Saints. Five straight losses for the Saints coming in, and they've got the freaking antidote, the New York Jets. Not only are they the New York Jets, but they're the battered-up New York Jets. Um, what, you know, what, what, what is your analysis in general of the game, not, not counting scores and best case, worst case, what we do? It's what, what, what do you foresee going here? What I foresee, the Jets were even mildly healthy, if they were mildly good, which I believe they're not, this would be at least a game. Because Saints are clearly struggling, uh, they lost their quarterback. These are not uh, these are not the Saints of the last few years with Drew Brees and uh, the offense that's lighting the world on fire. They are a struggling team. Uh, their best wide receiver is uh, not playing this season, I believe, either injury or yeah, Michael Thomas. Yeah. Yep. No, he, he uh, yeah. Their superstar running back is just coming back this week, just in time to face the Jets and run for 250 yards and six touchdowns. <laughs> uh, so, as as bad as they are, they're still better than a completely depleted Jets. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an ugly Sunday. Uh, as bad as the Saints are, and the chance is to show out and actually make it a game and potentially steal the game, 
the Jets are so depleted. I almost feel like the Saints are playing a Triple A team. I just I don't see anything that I can hang my hat on for the Jets to make this work. Yeah, sadly, I agree. I um, you know, there's always that chance because the Saints are just not that good that they can, they can play down to the Jets and make a game of it. But I don't think you know. I, I just don't see the Jets stepping up and making it a game. You know, I, if it's going to be a game, it's going to be because the Saints got ugly. And uh, you know, same as you is the Jets' offense has been. You know, if you want to call it a bright spot, the Jets offense has been the bright spot over the past few weeks. It's shown some life. You know, I don't always feel like we're going to go three and out unless, of course, we, we really need to get a first down. But I, I don't see Wilson being able to do much tomorrow. I just don't. The defense is the defense. It's not going to look great no matter what you do. Uh, you know, two times it looked good. And uh, I don't know if we're due for it to look good again yet. It will, it will again one time this season. But I, I don't know if tomorrow is a day. So I think this could be a fairly ugly game considering how beat up the Jets are. I mean, they, they, they're almost literally rolling out a college team tomorrow. Yep. That's uh, I just don't see it being a pretty one. Yep. Okay. So with that said, what do you think Zach Wilson's going to do tomorrow? Oh boy. I think we're in for a day where Zach Wilson takes uh, one of those. Uh, if he took a couple of steps forward tomorrow, let's get ready for him to tumble backwards. I just do not have a good feeling. I'm going to go with Zach Wilson finishing the game 14 of 29 for 183 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. Okay. Two. Okay. Who's your offensive MVP if there's going to be one? Uh, I think by default it's going to have to go to Crowder. I don't see any fantastic stats from anybody, but if Zach Wilson has a brain and he's willing to use it tomorrow – He's going to go towards the veteran who's going to try to, uh, it might be seven or eight yard catches. It's not going to be the big 30 yard bombs, but uh, let's say Crowder and uh, I use MVP very lightly here, but let's say four catches for 59 yards. Okay. What is your best case scenario? My Best case scenario is we're dead wrong. Barrios gets a special teams touchdown. The defense uh, creates a couple of turnovers, which they actually showed that they are capable of doing. But uh, so the best case scenario is a close game and somehow miraculously the Jets pull it out on a late field goal or a late score, a late stop, whatever that may be. But I'll say a two or three point win for the Jets, something in the form of 24-21. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know how they're going to score 24 points, but you said best case scenario. Maybe Barrios yeah, catches a bomb, whatever. Yeah. Miracles can happen. Maybe Mims balls out. But uh, let's say 24-21, the Jets really shock me and realistically shock a lot of people with the win all right well i have a feeling your worst and your real might be close but let's do it anyway what's your worst case scenario for tomorrow you're absolutely right they're they're close they're almost one of the same but uh, i'm gonna say worst case scenario is they're gonna get shut out uh they're gonna get shut out and they're gonna lose the game by something like 27 nothing uh they're just not gonna be able to and and i feel it being the first half is going to be something like 10 or 13 nothing, but the constant inability of the offense uh, to sustain a drive, we're actually going to be able to point to the offense as the reason defense faltered, not having enough breaks, not uh, the offense not sustaining any drives, and the defense just getting tired and worn out. And the second half is going to be more of the same, where the Saints just pile up a little bit more, uh, a little bit more while the Jets continue to do absolutely nothing. So we'll say, I don't know, 27 29 let's say 27 nothing is the worst case scenario okay and then what do you realistically think realistically i don't think the saints can put up 27 points uh, but camara is coming back so i'll put him up at 24 points 
And the, the Jets, just because I am a fan, I'm going to give them two field goals, 24-6 for the Saints. Okay. Which means the All Jets right. are going to be up 14 nothing after the first quarter. <laughs> and I'm going to look like the biggest dope alive. But I'm used yeah, to that. Yeah, but you'll be happy. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I will be. But the, now the floor is yours. Talk to me. All right. All right. So I don't want to fall for the hype again with Wilson. But, he, you know, he, he bounced back big time in that second half of Houston. And he looked really, really good in the first half last week. Second half, I am going to give them a total pass for because the A, they didn't see the ball, and B, uh, you know, they were cold. I mean, he sat around for over an hour. I mean, you, you, I don't care what shape you're in. If you sit around for over an hour, you don't jump back in there at top, at top form. So I'm going to give Wilson a pass for the second half last week. That leaves me with about four and a half quarters of very good football. Let's four. He didn't play well the second half of the first quarter because of the second quarter because he didn't have the ball. So let's let's say we've got four straight pretty good quarters from Zach Wilson. And if I really want to be optimistic, then Zach Wilson put up um, three. They went, so 18 and he, Zach Wilson put up 36 points in those four quarters. Now it would have been more if the kicker made it, but in in real, real numbers, Zach Wilson in the last four quarters where I'm not giving him a pass has put up 36 points and has looked pretty good. Now, does that actually happen? I would love to believe it, but I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm not going to take as drastic a step back as you. I think a little bit of a light has turned on for him. But I think he does take a little bit of a step back from looking as good as he did in the first half last week and putting up 36 points in four quarters. So I think Wilson's going to um, he's going to be a little over 50 percent. I don't think he's got a lot of guys to throw. I think he's going to end up throwing a lot because the running game is going to get stuffed. The Saints have a pretty good defense. I think Wilson's going to be 23 for 40. This is how this is how wow. much they have to throw. <laughs> Listen, man, we're having fun, right? I think Wilson, even with that, is not going to throw for a lot of yards. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him 178 yards, right? So, so 40 attempts, 178 yards. He's a he's a a um an analytics nightmare, and then uh, I think he's going to throw for one TD. And it's tomorrow today he doesn't get the. I'm going to keep picking it because eventually it's going to happen, and I don't want to be cute and act like you know I and and have and not have him for, for zero TDs. Although I think he's going to throw one, but I'm going to make the official prediction that he's not going to throw any INTs. So Zach Wilson would be 23 for 40, 178, a touchdown and zero interceptions and, you know, whatever. So MVP, uh, I was going to go Crowder because he's the only one. So I will try and be different yet again. And I'm going to go with the only other semi-veteran that's there. I'm not going to count Barrios. He's only been around a couple of years. And that's Keelan Cole. Uh, Keelan Cole, if you remember, made that crazy one-handed catch for Jacksonville a few years ago, and then did a, an even crazier catch with the Jets a few weeks ago. That was that was called a bobble. That was one of the one of the game one of the um, TDs for the Jets that was taken back. Um, so I'm going to go Keelan Cole. I think Cole will will be as close as they have to a star. I think him and Crowder will probably be very close. Uh, let's give Cole four catches for. Uh, 72 yards. They say one of them's a little long and that he gets that one TD that, that Wilson's going to throw. All right. Now, best case scenario. And, and you know, for the most part, I go with a true best case and a true worst case when I try and make these predictions. So the, the true best case for the Jets is that it's one of the days that the defense shows up 
And Zach Wilson has had a light turn on it and he continues to progress and makes the players around him better because he's got some talent around him. They're not as good as they're not number one guys. They're not as good as the guys that are not there, but they are not completely untalented. So best case is Wilson makes them better and and the light goes and the light continues to stay on. And, you know, the Jets put put a, a good offensive game and a good defensive game together. The Saints are not great outside the dome and have a bad game. And then, you know, is Taysom Hill starting for them? Uh, no, I think it's been Trevor Simeon. Oh, Simeon, that's right. Okay, it, it, is Simeon was, is that because Hill was hurt? Whatever the case is. All right, so I was going to say Taysom Hill. Um, you know, then and then Hill then uh, Simeon comes in here, doesn't have a great game. You know, stuff goes wrong for the Saints, and the Jets can, can eke out a win. I think even if all of that goes right, the Jets only really win by a score. You know, so I will give that score. I think it'll be low scoring if that does happen, and that's my best case scenario. I think the Jets win a seventeen thirteen kind of game, and that's if everything comes together. I just don't. I don't see it happening at all. But it, I, I can't discount it completely because the signs have been there that Wilson has been playing better. You know, the defense does every few games throw in one you don't expect, and the Saints have been. Have been pretty bad on offense so let's see my worst case is the exact opposite right zach wilson has a uh, casper the friendly ghost and all his friends dancing around him and he gets you know he, he throws picks all over the place the defense doesn't show up Kamara has a huge game simeon is a good game manager and the saints and the saints put it all together and then we could be looking at like some of these games earlier in the year so my absolute worst case is the wheels fall off the jets take steps back the saints kind of you know the saints put everything together because they're inconsistent as well the saints win it big uh let's say you know uh you know if the worst case happens it could be a shutout again but i'm not gonna so sh- i'm not gonna say shutout i will say 38 to uh nine saints in the, in the in the worst case wheels fall off realistically i think it's in between those i think i think the defense is still going to be bad uh, I think the Saints are not going to be super great, but I think Camaro will be a nice boost. And we've seen what these running backs have done to the Jets. I think Camaro has a big day. I think uh, the Jets have an average day. I don't think it'll be as bad as people are saying, as people are worried it's going to be. I don't think it'll be remotely as good as I just said it could be. And then, you know, and the Jets lose by, you know, a score, a score and a half, two scores, something like that in, in a semi-low scoring game. I don't see a 40 to 30 kind of game. I don't see a 6-3 kind of game. I think, you know, the realistic case, the Saints are going to win this game. Um, I don't know. That's the one thing I didn't really think of is the score. I'll give the Jets 13, and I think the Saints will put up uh, 21. Let's just say okay. 21. So, so your realistic case is the Saints win this game by a score, you know. So 21-13 Saints in the real case. And there you have it. All right. We're all set up for our Sunday afternoon and uh, watching another Jets debacle. Yes, indeed. I, I'm going to miss um, probably a little bit more than the first quarter. Because, um, my son has a soccer game at 12, the over and 30. You know, but so, yeah, I'll miss the first quarter on a little bit more, but I'll be listening. So I will uh, talk to you during the day tomorrow. Good luck to Mickey in the soccer game, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.